0: Oh man, it's it's a good it's a good time. <laughs> I sound like the forty year old virgin where he was like the boobs are bags of I sand. Love that. I love that
1: so much that bit. So this is Olga. She is one in a million. She's so impressive. I went into it quite intimidated. As you'll probably hear, I found it a bit discombobulating to chat to somebody who's done so much in such a short period of time. At the same time as I was really pregnant, I was so pregnant at this point and I was starting to get quite insecure about whether or not I'd ever do comedy again. I've since listened back to it in the editing process. Wow, isn't it a joy to leave so much time between the record and the edit? and then realise you had nothing to worry about. I actually think it's a really fun episode. As you would expect from such an absolute pro, I'm going to dive headfirst into Olga's excellent bio. In 2018, she was nominated for Best Newcomer at the Edinburgh Fringe for her debut show, Fight. She went on in 2019 to perform the fantastic If Then at the Monkey Barrel. That was nominated for Best Show at the Leicester Comedy Festival in 2020. In 2021, she created a show called Homecoming and toured it across the UK. And you're thinking, but hang on, be in a pandemic at that point. Weren't most comedians holed up inside, crying into their duvet covers? Yeah, yeah, Olga created an entire show. (laughs) And it was cracking. And of course, it was nominated for awards, long listed for Best Stand-Up Show at the National Comedy Awards. Olga has appeared on everything. Mock the Week, Frankie Boyle's New World Order, Guessable, House of Games, you name it. She's doing a new show this August. I really want to know a lot more about it. From the photos, it looks like it could be very relevant to the conversation we have here today it's called just friends and yeah it's running at the monkey barrel all august in edinburgh catch that if tickets haven't already sold out she's also just doing right now bbc sound everything i know about love obsessed with podcast with the wonderful sophie Duca. friend of come as you are she was the final guest of the first season i'm not going to do too much more talking here's olga Trigger warning, we discuss sexual harassment around the 12 minute mark if that's something you want to skip over.
0: I'm
1: glad you don't find it pervy that I know that you are studying at Oxford because (laughs) I really liked your Twitter announcement, some personal news, and then a picture of your ID card. And so much so that it stayed with me. And so much so that I've been really intrigued about what the fuck you are doing (laughs) because the ID card was like social science of the internet. Which sounds fascinating, but also completely ambiguous in terms of I don't really understand what that would involve
0: like, same
1: <laughs> let alone let alone know to apply for it. How did you is that something obvious that you just were like, oh yeah that's a that's a study that exists
0: those are oh my God, such flattering questions. I'm so flattered uh first of all, thank you so much for remembering that tweet. um it took a lot to admit that I've <laughs> sold out and gone to oxbridge um and I've joined the dark side I am. Basically, I studied computer science at university, which is something that I talk about too much, if anything. And after graduating, I realized that, like, coding itself isn't something that I wanted to do. But because all of my professional experience, like my day jobs, have been in tech. And I'm like philosophically just very intrigued by it so i was just looking for grad grad programs that were like about the internet and computers but weren't coding and i found it and i'm enjoying it greatly
1: when you're in your own life it doesn't necessarily seem that clearly directed you just like go towards things you enjoy and do a bit of exploration and then from the outside especially as like another comic who really respects like the choices you've made and the way you've like managed your career I'm always like, oh, very wise. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Olga's, very made a very, nice Olga's made another a very deliberate calculation. <laughs> She's positioning herself as not only somebody who can code and who's done a degree in uh, computer science, but now who has like a historical knowledge of the internet, a sociological <laughs> perspective. On the end, so she can just do like endless Radio 4
0: programs. <laughs> I'm, yeah, basically, my goal in life is to take so many courses and extracurriculars that Radio 4 has no choice but to keep calling me. Yeah, you know exactly. That?
1: Okay, let's backtrack a bit because we have to talk about orgasms at some point. Also, Helen, I've I got, know that like, I say
0: this to you all the time. I'm very yeah. sorry, as a huge fan of you. <laughs> I, you and you know this, people have told you this. I'm very sorry if this is superficial to say, but you have one of the most beautiful and soothing voices in the world.
1: Oh, that's so nice. I feel like I'm, you knew this. I'm speaking to you from within my audiobook booth. I've actually got, like, for you, I'm really excited because I like tangents anyway, and I'm I'm going to try and crowbar orgasms in at every stage, but also find out interesting things about you. Let's so, go. Um,
0: I'm already so flattered. Thank one you. One question
1: I have, actually, that directly relates to the computer science stuff is, Computer science and uh, your work as I've watched it, the work I've seen in comedy, it's always really lighthearted and gut-punchy, always really funny, but there's loads of analysis at, like, the back end, which I think is kind of like computer science in a sense. Like, you have to do a lot of thinking to then create something that appears quite simple on the surface or at least, like, easy to use for idiots like me. So I was wondering whether... The analysis required in being a researcher, being a computer scientist, makes
0: you quite in your head and makes it more difficult to be in your body. Oh my goodness. That's an excellent, excellent, excellent question. That's an amazing <laughs> question. That's a really good question. Uh, first of all, I mean inc- thank you so much for saying such nice things about my work. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and like I am, I am extremely um committed to following like like logical strains so it's like if this means that then what does this mean for this and does this mean that this parallel works and this analogy works and if this is true then then what else is true and so i will sometimes just like find myself just dozing off on this like i like it sometimes it is anxiety isn't it just to be like if this happens (laughs) then this happens then this happens then here we are in the nuclear war um uh I don't know how much it affects my body, but I do like zone out in a very big way often. (laughs) And a lot of the time, especially in lockdown, I will do like a sensory deprivation tank in my own bath where I like will round myself a bathtub and just stare and just like try, try and just go to that place. Do you turn off all the lights? occasionally occasionally i
1: i generally don't very much like baths i've got into them more during lockdown and we just moved to a new rental and the bath is is much better than anywhere we've ever lived before and i'm pregnant congratulations and i was like i hope if the, is that what is that what you want to hear
0: <laughs> i've I, i've
1: actively been like fuck i need to really get a lot of shit done before the birth because who knows what's going to happen after so i haven't had much i haven't made much space to like meditate and talk to my child through my own bloodstream or whatever um but speak to it
0: in a Mancunian. yeah
1: exactly so i was having this bath and doing this meditation and trying to like yeah trying to tune in a bit and i enjoyed it. it was the first time i'd really kind of settled down and had a bit of that space and then afterwards i got the most chronic Migraine, and I oh, read no. up. This keeps happening where I, I do something, and then I read. I think, oh, I'll Google afterwards if you're allowed to do it when pregnancy. And I read up, and everyone was like, w- pregnant women shouldn't shouldn't have bars, shouldn't get too hot, shouldn't have too hot bars, shouldn't spend too long in the bath. <laughs> All of the things. Oh life, my God. Everything that I'd done. So then I really started to freak out and was like, oh my! In in the session in which I thought I'd connected most with my baby, I potentially. Boiled it to
0: death. No! It's It's already in a bath. It's like a double boiler. (laughs) (laughs) A Ban Marie for the baby.
1: I got a baby, hear me, oh gosh, how did I get there? Oh, magic, straight, straight, oh, magic.
0: I uh, identify as bisexual when asked. That being said, I have mostly exclusively dated men and uh, had sex with my best female friends (laughs) in a a way that I feel like all women do but no women talk about but okay
1: that's so interesting (laughs) okay we'll come back to that I was (laughs) gonna say okay so the people you're attracted to do you like them to be quite challenging intellectually do you like them to be as
0: analytical as you or
1: like the opposite almost
0: I want to say yes but in reality I need I need (laughs) them to acknowledge that I'm a genius I don't need to match them my them to match my genius
1: yeah because in your comedy I say this ironically you play often quite like um...
0: (laughs) I say this I say this ironically my flatmate just looked at me he's like no you're not (laughs) that's totally (laughs) true
1: is it easier to ask question so what's it like to
0: fuck computer scientists is that in more That's a really, really good question. That is a question I'm willing to answer. I think just in general, I think I have this is nothing to do with orgasms. uh, But uh, I have quite a complex relationship with my own perception of my own intelligence, which I think that a lot of people do. I think it's a universal experience in that mm-hmm. I think that I'm both the smartest and the dumbest person in every room, and so there's a lot of like a lot of being like, "Oh no, don't listen to me!" Ha ha! Exclamation point in email. Sorry, sorry to bother you. And then there's another thing of like everyone's hero is a dumbass, and I just perceive the situation on a level that no <laughs> one else can, and it's con it's it's constantly i think anyway. you've just described a psychopath that's like one of the key <laughs> tests isn't it <laughs> okay speaking of coming uh how what's it like having sex with computer scientists i think that's a really good question i think it's it, it, it's less so having sex with computer scientists more so just investigating and uh, realizing what the type of people who do computer science right and so like i i would say the bulk of the computer scientists i had sex with were at university mm-hmm. um and at university i was A lot of the time, the only woman in the room, most of the time, one of the few women in the room. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, you are in a situation with a man who doesn't hang out with women a lot. And that can lead to him putting you on a pedestal in a way that a man who hangs out with a lot of women wouldn't. And so just be like, you're a goddess. Everything you say is wonderful. And then equally, there are moments where he doesn't think of you as a human being and is like, you're the sort of like, treat alien that I sometimes hang out with. And so I'd say both of them are as bad as each other.
1: And being uni, was that exciting to be one of only a few women or one of the only women in terms of sex? Was it kind of like, or did it feel like a bit
0: intense? So I think for the bulk of it, it was exciting because you could like, I let my, I'm not like other girls really flourish at that point. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think the current generation is calling them pick me girls, but the, the idea that like, I'm not like other girls and like everyone around me constantly reinforcing that was just like a high to be like, yes, I am a lady plus. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then I think in in a, just an ironic twist of fate, I got pretty horribly sexually harassed by two guys on my uh, in my course and I had Mm. to report them and there was like a huge fallout where like the whole class wouldn't talk to me because I reported them and so in retrospect I'm like that was kind of in the most banal terms and in like quite embarrassingly like my first foray into feminism where I was like oh okay these people had a point so yeah so I've had I think I've experienced both ends of being the only woman in in a room.
1: That sounds really bullshit being Outed by your class for being honest about your experience but also like kind of fulfilling every fear that most people have when it comes
0: to reporting sexual assault well i just, i i mean I, I like i i think i got a, i i don't i don't know like it was just her i i was gonna say it's just harassment just harassment is not just harassment like it it is in and of itself quite unpleasant um i like but it's it's just I think it was like, pre, again, like it was pre me too. I don't think I realized like, the, the, I don't think I realized the scale of how bad it was really. And also when you think you are alone and you are factually alone in that scenario, it's like scary to admit that you're not in control, right? Because mm. the second you, you say, I don't think I can handle this myself. I need help. That, that's like a daunting experience, right? Yeah. And then to ask for help and to not necessarily, did you get support? So, oh God, like, to, to, in details, basically, I reported them and, like, the campus was basically instructed them that they, like, couldn't be in the same room with me. So, like, they, they I think they were like, if you ever, like, see her, you need to leave, like, it that sort of thing. And I think they, they proceeded to follow that, but then told everyone in the course that that's what they had to do. And I don't think the course were huge fans of me. Because also, I think at the time, I did it. <laughs> like i'm a quite i do a lot of sex jokes about myself and Mm -hmm. like i'm quite aggressive in that way and i think that is often perceived as permission to make the same same types of jokes or Mm -hmm. an openness and like it isn't and if if a person doesn't understand that i don't know how you can explain that Mm -hmm. but do you know what i'm talking about i know exactly oh yeah (laughs) tell me tell me tell me tell me i know exactly
1: what you're talking about in the sense that like I will make jokes about, like when I was doing the show about not being able to have an orgasm, before I had had one, dressing as the sperm that would open up a whole avenue for certain people to ask me really invasive questions about exactly what kind of sex I was having or the kind of people I was having sex with or why I wasn't having sex with the particular person who was asking me questions
0: because Uh, they would be able to sort me out They would be able to. uh.
1: I wouldn't have even needed to make this silly show, (laughs) (laughs) which I was really enjoying performing. I love it when someone goes to, oh, you know this like, this problem that you're exploring is kind of an intellectual but also like comedy exercise on stage and you've chosen as a subject because you're probably halfway through processing anyway at least if not out the other side and you think it's an interesting thing for a lot of people to kind of connect with and maybe have similar experiences around you didn't need to do any of that you could have just <laughs> bones me
0: we could have just been give back the it. awards helen give back the so awards
1: so yeah that's really common i think I remember ages ago, there was a thing about dating, like,
0: 18-year-olds. Yeah. That was really funny. Um, I was 23 and 24 (laughs) at the time. It's not that creepy (laughs) of an age gap. Thank you. They were comfortably (laughs) legal. Thank you.
1: So, yeah, just like an audacity, I guess, in that sense. Does that sometimes, do people sometimes take that for granted and and see that as a kind of invitation to not only make jokes about you sexually, but also to approach you? in ways that are
0: not necessarily being invited. So I had quite a journey with that, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I, when I first started, like, even being funny in high school and then, like, turned that into comedy in, in college slash university... I was very, very sexually aggressive, like, in my humor. I was, like, dicks and tits. For me, that was really funny. I, grew, like, I think I was quite sexually confident because, like, I grew up watching Samantha on Sex in the City, which is, like, a, a whole cohort of women has, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was, like, cool and, like, oh, wow, like, so in charge of your own sexuality. That's very, very cool. And then I think after having some negative experiences at university – um, I like kind of went a little back and like a little more puritanical because of it, because I was scared. And so mm-hmm. I was very aware of not, not joking that way, because I was so scared of inviting that type of stuff and thinking I don't think I'd be able to handle pushing back on it Mm. and i think and again like i'm saying all these things as if i consciously made these decisions in, uh, in the moment i didn't i'm now like looking back and thinking that's why i did that and that's what was gradually made me kind of dim my light and maybe even like go towards humor that was like a bit more abstract just to not have to to deal with the potential negative consequences and then i think after Me too. And after the sort of like reading a bunch of like books by women who were like so cool and didn't give a shit at all. I was like, you know what? I don't care. And I just, I got back into it just because I thought like, this is what brings me joy. This is what I find funny. Mm. And now, now for me, if I do get that negative response, that says more to me about the person than it does about me. Whereas in fact, in the beginning, I, I would have internalized that shame. To me also, that's an indicator of like, whether I can sleep with a guy or not. If he like <laughs> can like be comfortable with me doing that, I'll be like, yeah, we can, we can have sex. If you're, he's not, then why would I even want to impress or sleep with someone like that?
1: What about women? And not even maybe women who you wanna sleep with, but women who see your comedy, what kind of reactions do you get there? Do you ever get shame from them?
0: Not really, no. I think with older women, sometimes there have been like a few moments where like some older women were like, what the fuck are you doing? But not not ever in any in in any way that has like made me really question anything. Should you, should it? <laughs> no, not at all. I just
1: remember. Helen, yeah. as a
0: mother, are you trying to tell me something?
1: I remember I, I've had women who were older feel, it's really interesting to talk to you reflecting on like you looking back at your university self, having gone through Me Too, having read, having then reflected and thought about like, oh, maybe that was shit for that reason or maybe I did that for that reason. Because I've often found that older women have been frightened for me and that fear, which really comes from a place of them feeling kind of like in the past, if they had put themselves out there in that way, maybe in whatever generation they were growing up, it would have been really bad for them. It wouldn't have gone well. And so they've been kind of either protective of me in a way that feels patronizing or they've been kind of damning and dismissive of my work because it's kind of threatening to them. Yeah, or like you're making us look bad type of situation. It's threatening to the choices they've maybe made. It's, it's i'm thinking yeah. of like women who've not necessarily done a lot of visible work around raising other women up who then become slightly defensive when someone is like making that something important for them
0: is that vague enough no i i, I completely i completely understand I what you're say talking about mama, move on. <laughs> no. oh my god i was gonna say my mom <laughs> like my mom yeah. is that person
1: yeah it's wild and it, it carries with it quite a lot of intern I, I internalize I carry a lot of shame from that relationship with that person and it's quite hard to work out and then you reflect on it and you go like oh maybe that's what's happening maybe that's why it's difficult for things like this podcast or things like every show I've ever done to kind of be something that we can talk about or something interesting or even something
0: worth going like that sounds great (laughs) <laughs> well yeah. absolutely and then you don't want to like sit here in 2021 given the support network and like everything that you have and just be like well you should have just done the same thing as i did it's like no they made the choices that were like safe for them at the time and uh-huh. we can't judge them for them were you always comfortable like out were you always comfortable joking and talking about the subject that you do? Or like, has that been a journey for you?
1: That's been a journey. I still, I get shame. I still, I still have massive moments of going like, oh, I've done it in the wrong way or I did it at the wrong time. You know, like in terms of, oh, I said certain things that maybe now would be interesting to talk about, but then were too much. Or then the kind of conversations that were happening about mental health or being vulnerable, it was too early, you know that whole idea of like, oh, I should have done better PR for myself. Whatever, <laughs> you know, it's not worth talking about something that's really uh, potentially triggering for people or painful for you or just major, unless you've done some really good social media branding around it, like that kind of thing. But yeah, yes. like
0: if you're if you're not if your trauma doesn't doesn't have merch, why? <laughs> Why sell the trauma? I know I never printed T-shirts. That's my biggest
1: regret. So, yeah, so sometimes I've questioned that. But I think that's mainly just because sometimes, oh, just because this year has been so weird and you go, I've had some really bad times with the pregnancy where I've, like, thrown my child under the bus before it's even born and been like, it's too, I shouldn't have got pregnant. I'm a fool. <sighs> I should have waited until I had secured more um, verifiable success in my career before I uh, allowed myself to destroy anything I've ever worked for by having a child. Like the worst kind of feminist, the worst kind of, I've allowed that voice to come in and be like, "It's over for you. It's done now. You can't, you can't have a baby and keep working as a comic," which is just like verifiably not true. There are so many. Well, you
0: know that's not true, but it's also like I think it. it's fucking. St- awesome that you are being honest about that voice because it's like we're all thinking about that voice all the time (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think it would be it would be really i think like, shitty if you were like, no, this is the best decision I've ever made.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. I did used to make a joke in my last show before I was pregnant. I didn't want to get up the duff until I was famous enough to be able to do Live at the Apollo and
0: say, wow, I never thought I'd be doing this as a double act. <laughs> <laughs> also, to be clear, it is the best decision you've ever made, I'm sure. I'm just saying that it's like, it would be dishonest to of you to be like, I've never thought any, any otherwise right yeah
1: totally totally it also feels really ungrateful as well we definitely really wanted to have a baby it wasn't at all an accident but um I'm just my personality is that anything good that happens I will sabotage it because I struggle to live in a place of joy
0: How you wouldn't you- be a comedian otherwise that so there true. you go da 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 da
1: da 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 comes to dating people who are also in the arts, how is it managing two egos in a relationship? And how does that work?
0: Honestly, that's a question that a lot of people ask. And the thing is, that's a question that I would ask another couple who are both in the same industry. And that's a question that I've been asked by people who I've dated who are not in the industry. But it's never been an issue. Mm. (laughs) Like I just think that and I distinctly remember um. actually I shouldn't probably shouldn't name names but it's like I have heard other people in relationships say that's a question that always comes up but it's like you love each other and you want the other person to do well it's as easy as that and it's mm. like that's exactly how it feels in the relationship and also in that relationship I think if if anything it makes it better because you they understand how big of a deal something is
1: and does it make for better sex
0: that's a really good question. <laughs> I have not found a correlation between uh, job and sex quality. But I'm still investigating. But then, okay, <laughs> so
1: the opposite of that is, then do you, do you as a person require an emotional connection to have good sex?
0: I think emotional connection is rich and quite big of a word to, mm. to say that what I do need. What I do need is... I need them to find me funny and I need to find them cool. (laughs) That's what I need. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be an emotional connection, but it also doesn't, can't be, they don't find me funny and I don't find them cool. Mm. Like that's what I need. (laughs) Oh my God. You know what? It's vapid, but it's honest. There you go. And they don't
1: need to be, but they don't need to be funny. In fact, actively they need to be
0: less funny than you. No, absolutely. That doesn't really matter for sex. As long as as long as because the thing is them recognizing me as funny means they at at the very least have the same sense of humor as me. Right. Mm -hmm. Or at least. Are attracted to you enough to laugh at your jokes? No, no, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Also, also, like, we're not talking a long-term relationship. And a long-term relationship, yes, I would like them to be funny. But it's like, if we're just sleeping together, you laughing at my jokes is enough. Um, and <laughs> I might sound like a narcissist, but really, it is uh, what a man is in any situation. And
1: relationship-wise, do you tend to have more... Have you had a mixture of long-term and short-term?
0: Ooh, if I'm being completely honest, I... I hate the fact that I am that because I ideologically oppose it. But I'm a serial monogamist. With uh, but in in the short spans of time uh, when I'm when I'm single, I really make it count in a very big way.
1: Oh, I feel nice. I feel very very good indeed. Since I feel lovely, would you like to come and play with me? Okay. That's why I think your comedy, for example, is so great because you obviously speak about your own experience as a woman, but you don't ever create a space in your audiences that's like, now we're going to talk about the girls' stuff. Now we're going to do the (laughs) private, like, secret, ooh, taboo. It's always just like you speak about it in the way that you would speak about computer science or the history of the Soviet Union. You know, it's all like a piece. It doesn't feel like it's going off into some separate world that we have to suddenly get tightened up about is that something to do with the way that you were raised do you think you were raised in quite a, like an open way when it came to sex
0: that's first of all that's so so nice of you to say like i i aim for my comedy to be that way and i'm very very happy that it it, it is hitting that way so thank you um i think so first of all like the thing about periods is I know the trope that men are grossed out by periods or don't want to have period sex. I'm, I'm aware of that trope. I've seen it as like, I, I remember in uni one time I asked a girl for a, for a tampon and a guy said, that's disgusting. Like I kind of am aware of this, but never in my life. And I've had sex with assholes. I've had sex with dicks. Um, literally and figuratively <laughs> never in my life ever. Not once has a guy ever been grossed out by anything happening in my body. Mm. Never have I ever was like, I'm on my period and a guy, even flinched never not once and like because the stereotype around it exists i'm like i hesitate to say that no no guy cares um maybe my comedy and my my, the way that i conduct (laughs) myself is like a filter that filters away men who are disgusted by this stuff but it's like i literally have a joke in my set about uh, and how disgusting is it for me to quote my set but like the the joke is like if i don't want to have sex with you i'll never say sorry i'm on my period i'll say do you have a towel you don't like um (laughs) so it's I just like, I I think one of of the most important things in my comedy is like I, a lot of the time will be aware of the fact that the joke I'm writing isn't about a stereotype. The joke I'm writing is about an actual experience that I had in my life. And Mm. so I think when you make the experiences real, I want to say they like, don't read as like, what's the deal with guys, the old ball and chain? Because like, those jokes are about concepts of a wife, not your actual wife. And so when I when I talk about like period sex, I'm not talking about period sex in quotation marks as the concept that we all know as period sex because everybody's grossed out by the concept. But period sex, but period sex in like in little in small letters being like the stuff that I've had in my life and all the time. It's never, ever been a problem.
1: Yeah, I like the way you say as well. Everybody's grossed out by the concept of period sex because actually it's like it's like uh, people have been trained the concept, like the <laughs> the collective when we're all together and talking about it, that's when we're supposed to be grossed out. But individually,
0: it's fine. Yeah. Blood is goth lube. Sexy.
1: <laughs> were you just raised in a way that was always encouraging you to be quite confident? and to? Because what you just described there was, well, what I'm doing is I'm being upfront about my experience. I'm speaking from my experience. I'm making it funny in the way that I know how to make it funny because I know I'm funny. Uh, and, and that's... I would assume comes from a place of like, and I've always been encouraged to just kind of say what I think and be myself.
0: I wouldn't go so far. I don't think my, I don't, I, I don't know about if I'm talking about my parents specifically, I think it was less about them raising me in a specific way, though. My dad was very open about sex in, in retrospect, i bit too open about sex. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think um, it's just that I had the independence to like, because, okay. So I grew up, Speaking English. My parents did not speak English. So I had this like whole media world that my parents could never access. So, like, I'd be watching Sex in the City in English. Um, and then my parents would just never know. And so I feel like th- ha- the ability to create that separate world for myself that they would never or like we had internet quite early on so I remember just like going online and like reading and looking at things and it's like well they would never know because they don't understand I mean they didn't understand a pair of tits on a a screen but it's like (laughs) I think it was less about them raising me and more about the freedom that they gave me inadvertently or intentionally that like let me explore things myself I also love the idea that English tits or (laughs) or whatever tits you were looking at could have been looking at
1: they'd just be like so Russian that they wouldn't know they'd be so different to any tits you'd ever see as a kid or as a young adult looking at the internet at stuff that like was explicitly just yours to look at because nobody else would understand it in terms of language did that make maybe sexual content more exciting but also a bit illicit?
0: I feel like the, the like when I discovered all that content and this this reminds me of have you ever heard of Dollywood? Is it Dollywood? No not Dollywood United States of Dolly Parton she described this like church but the church is like a building with all these like Obscene drawings on the walls. I was kind of like shocked, but this—the idea is that Dolly is this like the purest kind of chastest Americana, but also so sexy, but without being sexual. She's like this enigma and paradox in and of, it, of herself isn't she? She's like she has she awesome. constantly talks about her boobs, but she's not in any way pornographic, right? No. And I'm not saying pornographic in a der- derogatory sense at all. It's just like that's she just isn't, though she is yeah. very like se- sexy or like has that i mean it is a paradox in and of itself isn't it mm. and so i had these like and uh, and much like dolly parton uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's um that i could talk about for hours but th- that that like all the discovery of like sexy stuff and like porn online or whatever happened w- when i did absolutely nothing sexual like i didn't have my first kiss until i was 17 so like everything happened like for about like five years where i there was no practice just theory
1: mm. <laughs> so you Sorry. went really deep into it no that's really nice that's quite a nice image of just like i mean we've already built we built this uh kind of image of you as being somebody who goes really deep into research (laughs) and likes to go like once you get into something to do what is this now a PhD or an MA that you're doing
0: MA for now sorry MA. who knows where
1: it goes next
0: so yeah like you start with like five years of research and then (laughs) then we'll try out a kiss we'll see how that goes Mm. and so I think yeah I think the disconnect was really um that that also was like quite gradual so I think like I knew everything I could have possibly expected when I started having sex. Did you? Did you? Did you really want these? Do you know yourself? How well do you know? This? So, because I had all that practice, I like knew what masturbation was, and I knew. Uh, like and I had orgasms when I masturbated but then I started having sex and I could never come during sex and I was like I guess those two things are different I'm still enjoying myself this is still great but like I'm not coming that's Mm. fine um and then with my first boyfriend I started by and I only faked it with him before i just wouldn't fake it but then with him i feel like he had this expectation and i was just started faking it with him and then i came with him and then i stopped faking it but then i had to like come clean to him and be like okay well now i'm actually coming before that was all lies.
1: <laughs> do you find it easy to orgasm
0: yes i basically was like essentially a skill i had to learn and then once i did i've never faked since because i was like oh this is what i need to do it's just that like I didn't know the move. And now I know the move.
1: (laughs) And has that, because we've spoken to other people on the podcast before, where actually the ease of orgasming, like knowing how to do it, it becomes too automatic. And then you can end up having sex that isn't necessarily as satisfying. It's just... Too orgasm-focused.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think, you know what, though? Because orgasm makes sex more, I want to say, transactional. And Mm -hmm. in in that it's like one, one, two, 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 one, three, one, whatever. (laughs) And it's like, especially in casual sex. I will say after like my shame spiral because of what happened with the guys in the um, computer science course, and also because of the horrible shit that this boyfriend did, it took me kind of like, it took me a little bit to come back to casual sex and like feel feeling less shameful about it. But the ability to orgasm during casual sex made me feel more confident in that I was getting out of it as much as they were. Mm -hmm. And so like, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to come back to casual sex with the same ease that I was having before, because I would have felt that I was being used because I yeah. wasn't getting as much as they were or like the same thing as they were.
1: Yeah. And you weren't necessarily, therefore, doing it for yourself.
0: Yeah. Even though I was not it was enjoying myself, but it's like because it's so orgasm centric on the man side, you would have to be like, well, what do I have to show for it? And it's like when I had the orgasm to show for it, I'd be like, well, I'm using you as much as you're using me. We're both having, using each other's sex.
1: And do you think that has made you more powerful?
0: powerful is quite a strong word
1: but do you think that's made you less vulnerable in circles like say you're having sex with people who are in the same industry as you and uh, I can imagine if you were having sex that was dissatisfying and casual and then was not like part of a relationship well obviously because casual um I quite like I quite like the idea of having casual sex in a relationship just being like really like being in a long term but super dismissive of the person <laughs> you're with the got time. laid last
0: night whatever exactly
1: um do you think it allowed you to be yeah more secure in yourself like to have those relationships I think probably one of the reasons why I didn't have sex with other people who were in my industry or who I was friends with even why I would often go for like one night stands with strangers was because I I knew I wasn't necessarily going to get a lot out of the exchange. So it was almost like everyone was practice. So I didn't really want to have it with which was stupid because actually in a way, if i had been having it with somebody I really liked and could have an open conversation with, I think it would have solved a lot of issues a lot quicker.
0: I think you're giving too much license to the characters that are comics.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe Sorry. You're
1: right. I think it could have made it much, much worse. I'd still be in a real hole right now. Um, but yeah, do you feel like it allowed you to be on more of a level playing field in a way, knowing that you were gonna get yours, knowing that sex was something that you were gonna enjoy allows you to have it in a way that it, it doesn't feel so vulnerable?
0: In general, yes. I still don't think I would have sex with uh, people in comedy. Like the people that, that I've had sex in comedy is, like I either ended up dating and like I was sure to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love
1: the way you narrowed your eyes, then, like, You know what I mean. And that was locked in from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> I made them sign a contract. <laughs> Guaranteed to be uh, the least three jokes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's
0: such a lie. That's such a lie. Especially since the one person you know I was dating that did not happen that way. If I'm having sex with someone in comedy, I would like that person to be of the same sort of like experience level in comedy because I think the the ish the issues of like shame would more come in with me in like a more of a hierarchical perspective perspective. perspective rather Mm. than like a female versus male perspective Mm. does that make sense
1: especially given the impression we've got of you so far which is just like quite straight shooting it can be fun to play with like power and status within your relationship but it's a different thing if outside of your relationship there are literally
0: like clear hierarchical roles that set you apart Exactly. And yeah. it's like, it's an unspoken thing that's always in the background. And I just feel it's, it's just very, very tricky to navigate. And it's something that you could definitely navigate in a real relationship. But like in a one night stand or in a casual fling, I feel like there's just a minefield that you just shouldn't bother entrenching yourself in.
1: How important is sex to you in a relationship?
0: very (laughs) i think it's it's like i systematically it has been more important than any the the, i'm always more into it than anyone i'm dating i'm the horniest person in the world it's (laughs) it's a problem i love the fact that
1: that came the end of that sentence came was started with systematically (laughs) as if you're in some kind of
0: regime
1: constantly (laughs) and does that ever cause an imbalance does that ever cause an issue
0: yeah, definitely. There's been tears. What
1: from who? From somebody? That from you're me? Or because you're being you're not getting what as as you need? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you? How are you with that? I find it sometimes
0: hard. Well, I think, first of all, I think the fact that I'm hornier than any man I've ever dated uh, is again another one of those like period things that is mm. like, we have this perception that men are horny and women are not. And it's like, well, I've lived the reality that is complete opposite over and over again. So I think that puts the pers- the stereotype in perspective for me. And that means that I can joke about my reality and not this like preconceived notion that we've created for ourselves, but actually isn't true. Mm. Um, and so that like from a comedy perspective and i think just like an understanding of the world perspective it's been quite interesting to be like well that that is objectively bullshit this thing that we all <laughs> pretend is like a thing that men just can't stop themselves and it's like me i'm the one who can't help herself um and so that's one um and then in terms of this imbalance i think it's one of the trickiest things to navigate in a relationship because you would never, ever, ever, ever in the world ever want to pressure to have any, anyone uh, to pressure anyone to have sex with you. Equally, you would never want to be pressured into having sex with anyone, right? And so it is, it it is, it is for me a tricky conversation to have to be like, "This is what I want. This is where I'm at. I don't want this to influence you in any way." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, but I'd quite like to know more detail about how that conversation goes down because that was really theoretical. Like, But you don't want to be I'm like, at. mama's got the horn and then just like guilt someone into having sex with you. That's horrible. I don't want anyone to have sex with me out of guilt.
1: So instead you say, this is where I'm at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the level I'm at in terms of... Ready to go? Yeah, I have like a huge barometer, like one of those like <laughs> what are they called? Thermometers that they have at like f- state fairs, or the thing that you like hit with a hammer and then goes up, and then I just label where I'm at, <laughs> and I leave the room, and they can follow me if they want. <laughs> what happens if they don't
1: follow you? <laughs> you just fall asleep.
0: <laughs> um, I get TV. my satisfier out, the, the okay. little the Hoover thing,
1: the satisfier. Yeah, with the with the ho- with the sort of clip hole. That's yeah, it. the Hoover. yeah, the tiny shocked mouth. That's what I think it makes it look like, right? It makes it look like it's sort
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz they have a a penguin one too. That's like oh, a penguin with a with a mouth like that. Cute for people who are into animals. Yeah. Exciting. Who've always wanted to fuck who, who discover their bodies to the film Mary Poppins. Uh it's Um
1: the last My feet
0: I... aren't the only thing that are happy. Sorry. The last,
1: co- <laughs> the last question I always ask people is what does it feel like to
0: orgasm? <laughs> Fucking rad, dude.
1: <laughs> any more details, any more specific physical
0: details? Oh man, it's it's a good it's a good time. <laughs> I sound like the 40 year old virgin where he was like, the boobs are bags of sand. I love, that. I
1: love that so much, that bit. I've learned so much about comedy writing from that scene. Yeah, where he tries to describe what it's like to be with a woman, having never been with a woman. And he just increasingly digs himself into a massive hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are there differences in orgasms? So, seeing as. You've talked about orgasming quite easily, or at least knowing exactly how to get yourself off. Are there different kinds of orgasms? Have you had a standout one that will stay with you for the rest of your days? Like a desert island? <laughs> <orgasm>?
0: <laughs> yes, definitely, absolutely. I think I definitely have. um The one thing I will, say, and most of the time they're associated with like a new location. Genuinely, like sex with a familiar partner in a new location is always just a treat because you're all. Because I think. Uh, Every single time that happens, I'm always like, "We still got it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah yeah, also, everyone knows this, but never underestimate foreplay. um what the I've so over lockdown which is now, but over Christmas I had COVID and I was alone in my house and I couldn't leave. And so I bought the satisficer or whatever it's called. And I was like, this is, we're going to get to know each other quite intimately. And then I read a review. So I, I used it. I was like, this is insane. Then I read a review of it. And then I was like, this is a completely correct review is and then It becomes like, it's almost like, a medical orgasm where it's almost like a switch that's turned on but there's Mm -hmm. no fun around it that it's just like you found a button you pressed it and you're like well technically yes but no do you know what i mean totally know what you mean so yeah so that kind of like turned me off of it just because i'm like there is fun in earning it 100
1: percent. and there's also a lot of fun in the ones that you've convinced yourself you're not gonna have yeah
0: and then you and, have them yeah. and your body is like, and you're like,
1: oh, high five, everybody. <laughs>
0: you, you probably more than anyone know how, how much fun there is in earning it.
1: Yeah, hugely so. I'm still always on the edge
0: of being like, is it, am I going to lose it? Well, it's like Lil Bow Wow in the film, uh, Like Mike, <laughs> where he thought that his talent in basketball came from the shoes. But then it was in him all along, I think. Oh, right.
1: I hope. Yeah, always interesting to end on a Lil Bow Wow reference. Very,
0: very (laughs) satisfying. Very relevant. I just want to know, I just want the kids to know that I'm down.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Olga.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I hope that this was what you wanted. I, I hope this was good for you.
1: This is great. So that was Olga. She really was so generous. I did not expect her to be so open and available to the concept of everything an orgasm could potentially extend its little tentacles into i am so excited to see her new show i'm going to plug it again it's called just friends the poster design is stunning from Willie andrews look him up if you're looking for a banging poster to be designed uh, also i should say michael jillings is amazing he's putting out some incredible edinburgh posters and he did all of the design for the original artwork of come as you are the podcast but yeah just friends is on at the monkey barrel Every day, I think, in August, or every day of the festival at least. And you should check it out. It's going to be such an amazing show, I can just tell. She mentioned something in the copy about entering her Marina Abramovich era, which to me suggests lots of interaction and some experimentation. Very interesting to see from the cock. So that's it. That's it from us. If you would like to support the show, drop us some pennies, some pounds, some dollars, some euros, some love, then go to our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Helen Duff or our Kofi for one-off donations. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Helen Duff with two Fs, like the beer in The Simpsons. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. We're dropping more episodes next week and continuing through to the end of the season. I've got some fantastic guests to come, so keep listening, like, subscribe, etc. And have a fantastic rest of your day.